I don't know about you, but I get amped up whenever I see that, that, that line where we're going, we don't need roads. Uh, talking about the future, well, guess what? The future happened last year, and we still need roads. So they were a little off on that one prediction. But today we are concluding our series called The Good Life, and we are finishing up with a sermon on the future in everyone's ideal good life. They want to have some kind of future, preferably a good one. Uh, they want to look ahead to what's coming up and see uh, what might be. And so this morning, um, just to kind of give you a recap, if you, if you looked in your bulletin, you noticed John was supposed to preach. Uh, our senior pastor, be in prayer for him, Tim Stephan, he had to go out of town. Uh, his daughter is up in Kentucky, and uh, she had a little bit of a medical situation, and so he had to go check in on her. Uh, she's not in the hospital. She's doing okay. And so they're just going to meet with a doctor this week, and uh, he'll be back later on this week. But uh, we found that out on Friday. Uh, I was relaxing at the beach all week. Uh, well, I mean, I was at a work conference all week um, at uh, St. Simon's Island, and uh, then I was in Brunswick for a few days, which is right beside the island. And uh, I was really struggling through the week, but um, found out that uh, I was going to have to preach. I was being called up from the minors to uh, preach today. And so... Um, Normally, uh, I know that people think that pastors only work on Sunday, and I know that you think that putting together a message probably only takes about one, maybe two hours, just long enough to jot everything down. Well, I'm here to tell you that uh, we actually do put a little bit of work into these things, and the longer we have to work on them, if we have the whole week to work on them, there there are four things that happen with a message the longer you have to work on it. Uh, Your material becomes more focused, meaning it's a little more streamlined, you're you're a little more concise in what you're trying to say. Second thing is your organization is a little more smooth. So it's um, the transitions work well, the stories make sense, everything's flowing together in the right kind of way. Your content becomes more engaging. It becomes more funny or more sad, depending on what the message is supposed to be about. And uh, finally, the timing becomes a little more concise, meaning that uh, you don't take forever to try to say what you're trying to say. Well, I didn't have that time this week, so none of that's going to happen. So I just want you to know that your future, your future uh, involves um, the next probably 20, 25 minutes of, of me trying to work through some stuff. And so I just wanted to kind of get that out from the get-go. What I will say is that um, I talked to Tim on Friday afternoon, and uh, he said, maybe you could just pull up something that you've, you've done before that they've forgotten about because nobody remembers anything you said anyways. Um, I said, that's an option, but nothing I've ever talked about really pertained to the future. But maybe I can just work through some things that I've been learning in my devotional life or maybe something I heard this week. And that's actually where I kind of landed. I realized that there was a, a message that I heard Monday night of this past week. There were conversations that I was in as I was part of that conference down on St. Simon's Island there were things that I had just kind of been drawn to um, in different things that I read throughout the week uh, that I realized that there actually was something um, that we could focus on this morning that pertained to the good life and the future. Uh, And it reminded me of of a quote that I heard one time that I've, I've shared before, and that's that the decisions we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. It's a Craig Groeschel quote. He's a pastor out in Oklahoma. But the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. Uh, Another way of saying that is we are actively shaping our future with everything that we do, um, everything that we experience 
in our current circumstances. And so everything that happens today is pointing us towards the future. And so, and everything that's happened in your past has had some sort of way of shaping what your future might look like. And so this morning, what we're going to do is actually uh, something that I don't usually do. Usually I like to just find one biblical passage and just dive into that and wrestle with that. This morning, we're actually going to take a character. And we're going to take the Apostle Peter. Peter was uh, a funny guy. Um, Quick biography on Peter. He had a brother. Who knows what his brother's name was? Andrew. Yes, very good. We had two two Bible students over there. Um, Andrew was Peter's brother. They were both disciples of Jesus. Andrew, uh, John's gospel tells us, actually was the one who told Peter, you need to come follow Jesus. Uh, Peter was the one who, uh, John's gospel also tells us, when Jesus was about to be betrayed in the garden, he took out a sword and cut off a soldier's ear. So he had a little bit of a, a mean streak to him, a little bit of a, a temper he needed to work through. Uh, he said such profound things to Jesus as, um, it doesn't matter what the people say about you, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. He got it before a lot of the other disciples got it. Um, and then just a few verses later, uh, he tried to talk Jesus out of going through with the whole um, dying for our sins thing. And uh, Jesus turned to him and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Not, not exactly something complimentary that you would say to one of your close friends. And so he had kind of this back and forth. He's very, very brash at times. Uh, he's very much out there. But I believe that there, there are five things that we find from the life of Peter uh, that help us understand future. Help us understand what points us towards the future. And all five things uh, actually begin with the letter F, just as future begins with the letter F. So for anybody who grew up Baptist, you'll be feeling right at home today uh, as we all walk through. Nobody got that. I'm sorry. That wasn't very good. See, the more time I have to work on the sermon, the better the jokes get. But what we're going to do is we're going to walk through these things, different little snapshots of Peter's life. And the hope is that somewhere within these five things, you might find yourself. And there might be a pivotal moment that you find yourself at, and you realize that you're in that same spot. And it might be the first one we talk about, and then you just sit around for the rest of the service going up, got what I needed, and that's great. It might not be until the last one. But I believe that these five things that happened in the life of Peter have powerful messages for us about whatever it is we want our future to be. And so uh, hopefully you got the additional insert on your way in that has the message notes for this morning. But we're going to jump in and we're going to talk about Peter. And we're going to talk about his life, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, and see what it says to us about our lives and about our future. So the very first thing, and I've put these all in question form, uh, and these are questions that you might want to ask yourself. You might want to jot notes off to the side. You may want to take them home and wrestle with them this morning. But I believe that the very first thing that we learn about Peter that shaped his destiny, that shaped his future, was the answer to the question of who do you follow? Who do you follow? Matthew's gospel tells it this way. Uh, This appears in all the gospels. Um, This is just one particular version of it. As Jesus walked alongside the Galilee Sea, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, throwing fishing nets into the sea because they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, and I'll show you how to fish for people. Right away, they left their nets and followed him. 
So the very first thing we learn about Peter, straight out of the gate, uh, we learn he has a brother, and we learn that he made a decision immediately when offered the chance to follow Jesus, to, to drop his nets, to drop his profession, to drop everything that he had ever known so that he could go and follow this Jesus, this mysterious uh, guy who had showed up on the scene. And so for a lot of us, the first step towards having a, a good future is making that decision of dropping whatever it is that we have uh, taken part of. And sometimes that means literally changing our behavior, literally changing the way that we're living our lives so that we can make that decision to follow Christ. The second thing that we see, uh, this is one of the more famous stories about Peter. Um, and it's one we, we even have a song we sing about this particular episode that we sing from time to time in this service. And the second question is, where have you fallen? Where have you fallen? Uh, and by fallen, I don't mean uh, necessarily where have you made a mistake. We're going to talk about mistakes in a little bit. But where have you fallen? Where have you taken a risk and taken a fall? There's a story where Jesus was out walking on the water. Jesus was out walking on the water, and Peter and the rest of the disciples are in a boat, and Peter, having been a fisherman, uh, was probably very comfortable in the boat. He knew what it was like to live life in the boat. The boat provided security. The boat was a way of life for him. But when he saw Jesus coming across, Matthew tells the story this way, Peter replied, Lord, if it's you... Order me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter got out of the boat and was walking on the water towards Jesus. But when Peter saw the strong wind, he became frightened. As he began to sink, he shouted, Lord, rescue me. And the rest of that passage talks about how Jesus said, O ye of little faith. Um, if you had had faith, you would have been able to keep walking on the water. Um, and so pe different people have different takes on this, but probably the take that I appreciate the most is the fact that Peter actually took that step. All the rest of the disciples were just sitting back in the boat watching as he made that step, but he was convinced at first that he needed to take that step. There was a survey done um, a, a few years back, and they, they interviewed 50 people that were over the age of 95, so people who had lived the longest. And these 50 people, uh, what they said, they were asked, you know, what, would you, what do you wish that you had done differently in your life? And these 50 people, the top three themes that emerged was, were that they wished that they had reflected more in their lives, they wished that they had taken more risks, and that they wish that they had left more of a legacy behind them. And I think through uh, my life, and I think that I, I want to be somebody who's comfortable stepping out of the boat. I don't want to just follow along with what's comfortable. Uh, part of having a significant future is being willing to take that risk. And, and many of you have done that throughout your life. You've either uh, risked it all on a business idea or you, you've chosen to do a different career than maybe what your parents did, uh, and so you've branched out in a different direction. 
Emma and I, my wife, we are actually in, in a season of our lives in which we are, we are praying a lot about what our future is going to hold. We're praying for the baby we're about to come, but we're also praying um, what is our vocational future going to look like? Where are we going to go whenever we leave Martha Bowman? So we've been praying about this, wrestling with this a lot. And, and there was a situation um, where just my tendency is I like to have control of everything. And so um, I, I really wanted to take control. And I really I had an opportunity where it wasn't exactly what I was looking for. But it was something where I could be in control of it. I could control all the variables, and I could do everything that uh, I wanted to do with it, even if it wasn't ideal on the front end. And, and so we were, we were praying about this. We were wrestling with this. And I, I was talking to her earlier this week while I was down on St. Simon's, and, and she reminded me of uh, an incident that we had a few years ago in which uh, she was going to spend some time in Italy, and she was really... Um, pumped up about going to Italy, uh, I was not pumped up about her not being in America um, for a 11-week period, um, but it was a great opportunity, and I, I was really struggling with it, and, and the song that I referenced earlier, Oceans, um, we, we sing it from time to time and hear, Spirit, lead me where my, um, what's the word, Spirit, lead me to where my faith is without borders, let me walk upon the water, uh, wherever you would call me. And it, it's based on that idea that comes from this image of Peter hopping out of the boat and trusting to walk after Jesus. And a, and a few years back, when we were wrestling with that whole idea of her going to Italy, um, I was just w driving down the road, and a lot of times my prayer life evolves out of my ADD. My mind was wandering, and I started thinking about that situation, and I started praying through it. And I, I was flipping channels, and I came across that song on Christian radio. And I don't really listen to a lot of Christian radio, but that song was playing. And when I heard those words, I was convicted to, to my heart. When I heard those words, Spirit, lead me where my faith is without borders. Spirit, lead me to where my faith is without borders. And I, I realized that, that that was a risk that we needed to take, even though it wasn't something that I was crazy about. And so this opportunity came up, and we were praying through it, and she said, I think you just need to go listen to the song Oceans again. That seemed to work last time we were wrestling with the decision. And so um, I said, okay. So I, I put together um, this playlist on my, my iPhone, and the playlist was called Scared. Um, basically, I'm scared to make a decision. I'm scared to decide what to do. And uh, Oceans was one of the songs on there. And as I was walking around um, Epworth by the Sea on St. Simon's Island uh, Tuesday afternoon, the song came on, and I, I started praying. And I was like, Lord, is this your will? Is this what you're calling us to do? Um, and I realized in that moment that the place where my faith was without borders was the place where I didn't have control of the situation. And a lot of times... Taking that risk requires us to, to make an intentional step, and a lot of times it means, Lord, whatever happens, I trust you with my future. And so for some of us this morning, we might be looking at what's next. We might be looking at what our future holds, and our tendency might be to try to control it ourselves. But what Christ teaches over and over and over again is if we would just put our faith in him, 
and let him have control of the situation, that is what's going to most positively shape our future. The third thing, and this is something that we all have to come to grips with, is what are your failures? What are your failures? A lot of times we allow our failures to keep us from moving on to the right future. What are your failures? Peter was one of the most dedicated disciples. He followed Jesus. He was willing to walk on the water. He was willing to stand up for Jesus. But when Jesus needed him most, after Jesus had been betrayed by Judas, Jesus was being interrogated, and they were, he was going to face death the very next day. And, and Peter had had a conversation with Jesus earlier that night, and earlier that night, Jesus had said, I, I tell you the truth, that you will deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And Peter said, never, never, it will never happen. And then in John chapter 18, we hear this. The servant woman stationed at the gate asked Peter, aren't you one of this man's disciples? I'm not, he replied. And then two more times, he went and he stood by a fire and there were other people around and two more times, he denied ever knowing Christ. He failed. When Jesus needed him the most, he failed. And sometimes for us to move towards the future, we have to recognize what our failures are. We have to recognize the places that we've fallen short. The mistakes that we have made along the way. It says that after he denied Christ the third time, they heard a rooster crowing. And he, he went away and wept bitterly. Because he realized that he had failed. The positive thing is that that's not where Peter's story ends. And so many of us, we feel like our story ends with our biggest mistake or our biggest failure, whatever that crucial moment is. I remember we were on a youth choir tour a couple of years back, and we went through um, Montgomery, and there was a ministry that we sang for there. They, they ran a breakfast ministry. And after serving breakfast and, and singing our program, we went and toured a facility that they had built for, for um, at-risk youth. And the, the slogan of this ministry is, I am more than. And it comes from a, a local lawyer, an activist, who uh, is very influential in trying to fight for um, the rights and the um, future of a lot of impoverished and at-risk teens in Montgomery. And he was giving a speech one time, and he said that you are more than your worst mistake. Your life is more than your worst mistake. That you as a person are more than your worst mistake. And so their slogan for their ministry is, I am more than. And I've got a cup that was given to us by that ministry that um, I keep pens in. And it sits in my office and it says on the side of it, I am more than. And sometimes when I feel like I have fallen short, sometimes when I feel like I have failed God, I have failed the church, I have failed my family, I can look up at that cup and remember those words that I am more than my worst mistake. And so many of us struggle 
with finding the future because we keep wrestling with our failures without acknowledging that we are more than what those failures represent. We are not defined by our failures. We are defined by how we get up from those failures. Which leads us to the next question that we see in Peter's life, and that is, when did you accept forgiveness? And the answer might be that you haven't yet. When did you accept forgiveness? Later in John's Gospel, it says, When they finished eating, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Simon replied, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. And this happened two more times. And it lines up perfectly with the three times that Peter denied Christ. Three times Jesus asked him, will you affirm that you love me? And each time Jesus said, feed my lambs. And what Jesus said to him in that moment was that exactly you are not defined by that mistake. You are not defined by that part where you failed me. And I want you to know that I've got a destiny for you. I've got a future for you. And that future is not you dwelling on the mistakes that you made in the past. That future is wrapped up in you accepting your forgiveness and being empowered to do great things for my name. That's what Jesus said to Peter. I want you to feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He wanted Peter to be the one to lead the ministry, the one that had denied him, the one that had, had left him hanging out to dry, the one who had failed. He said, you are more than that mistake. You've got a future and you've got a hope and you've got a destiny. And so many of us, I think we struggle to get beyond the failure part. And we don't accept that restoration. We don't accept that forgiveness. Then the last thing is this. How are you filled? How are you filled? After the Gospels conclude, there's a book of the Bible called Acts. And in that book, the very early part of the book is about how the church was born. There were about 120 disciples left after Jesus ascended into heaven. And they were all hanging out together in Jerusalem. And Jesus had instructed them, I want you to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so on Pentecost Sunday, I say it was a Sunday, Pentecost Day, um, I think it was a Sunday, um, we call it Pentecost Sunday. On the day of Pentecost, <laughs> the gift of the Holy Spirit came upon them. Um, and it says that Jesus said that John baptized with water, but the Spirit's going to come and baptize with fire. And Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit on the disciples and on Peter in particular. And Peter gets up and he starts preaching this message. Um, and, and he's quoting all this scripture and he's making this convincing argument. And this is what it says at the end of his monologue. It says, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 into the community on that day. 3,000 people heard this message that this guy who 50 days earlier had failed Jesus. 
3,000 people heard that message and changed their lives and dedicated their lives to Christ that day because of his message. Because he, not because he was anything special, but because he had been filled with the Spirit. The Spirit had come upon him. He was filled with the Spirit. And so many of us, we, we, we think to ourselves, gosh, I've got my failures, and yeah, I know I'm forgiven, um, but I can't do anything significant. And I believe that what God would say to us this morning is the same thing that, that Jesus was saying to Peter on the shore as he said, do you love me? Is that you can do something significant with your life. You can feed the sheep. You can minister to the world, uh, but you can't do it on your own. You've got to have the Spirit of God moving within you. And so this morning... This isn't the most linear of things to wrestle with. But where are you? Do you need to make a decision about who you follow? Where have you fallen? Where have you taken a risk? Is God calling you to take a risk this morning? What are your failures that you need to deal with? What are the shortcomings that you have that you keep letting hold you back so that you can't have the future that you desire? Do you need to accept forgiveness? Do you need to hear that message that you are more than those failures? Or simply, do you need to be filled with the Spirit? Do you feel like there's something that you're called to do, something important that you're supposed to do with your lives, and you feel like you cannot achieve it because you can't do it in your own strength. I believe the message for all of us is that Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, stands ready to minister to wherever you are on that spectrum. Whatever it is from that life of Peter that speaks to where you are in your life, I believe that God wants to deal with that this morning. And I believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, if you've made that decision to follow, if you've made that decision to take a bold risk, if you've made that decision to move beyond your failures, to accept forgiveness and be filled with the Spirit, that God can do significant things through your life. And whatever it is that you're holding out as the ideal for your future, um, that God can lead you into that. Whatever it is that you feel like God has, that this would be God's best for me. I believe that God is calling us to walk through that. And it may not look like you imagine it looking, um, but it will be good. It will be the good life. It will be the abundant life that Christ offers and promises to us. So I'm going to invite the band back up, and they're going to come, and they're going to lead us in a closing song. And uh, today is the first Sunday of the month. And each first Sunday, uh, we have people that are part of our prayer ministry. And so after the service concludes, uh, they will be waiting around on the sides if you would like for someone to pray with you. Uh, but even before that, this altar is open. If you have something that you need to deal with this morning, a failure that you need to deal with, a decision to follow Christ that you feel like you keep putting off, I believe that God can work through that 
this morning. Heard a story this past week. Um, Wayne Raz, he's uh, one of the VPs at Epworth by the Sea. He's a United Methodist pastor, former lawyer, and uh, he's preached here before in the past when he was in a former position. And he told this story about a guy that was in his very first church, and he got up one Sunday and he preached this message, and he said the message was not great. There was nothing about the message that was really going to impact anyone. Um, but he said that at the end of his message, he said, I'd seen people do altar calls before. I didn't really know what I was doing. I hadn't gone to seminary yet. I was just a student pastor. He said, but I, I got up there and I said, if anyone would like to come down and accept Christ this morning, I want you to come down and kneel at the altar. And he said it was a real set in their ways church. The women stood and sang. The men would stand and not sing. Um, not that any of you have ever been a part of a church like that. Um, but the, the men never showed emotion. They never got involved. But he said when he made that altar call, there was a 65-year-old man who made his way down that center aisle of that church, and he kneeled down at the altar. And Wayne said he went, and he knelt beside him, and he said, uh, do you want me to pray with you? Man of short words. He said, yep. And he said, would you like to pray to receive Jesus? And he said, I would. And they prayed. That afternoon, he had multiple churches, so he had to leave immediately after the service. didn't have a chance to follow up with him. He called the house, and he talked to the man's wife. And the man's wife said, uh, hey, how are you doing? And he said, said to her, isn't it great that he came down this morning? She said, oh, yes. And he, he said, I'm a former lawyer. Had to ask a follow-up question. So he asked a follow-up question. Uh, were, were you expecting this? And she said, I've been praying for this for 35 years every single day. So he follows up with the guy later that week. And he said, wife's been praying for you for a long time. What was it about today? And he said, it was time. It was time. It might be time this morning.